Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. So glad you tuned into the broadcast today. I believe that you are going to be blessed by the Word of God and that the anointing on the Word of God is going to do in your life today what only the Word can do, which is bring change to you and I from the inside out. Let's pray together. We'll get right into His Word. Father, we thank you today. Thank you so much for your word, sir. We so love and appreciate the life that is in your word. We believe it doesn't just contain life. It is alive and it's quick and it's sharp and it's powerful. So we open ourselves up today to the word to do in us, to work in us, to perform in us. And as we see things in your word, by your help, by your grace and by your spirit, we'll be a doer of it. So give us eyes that see and ears that hear, hearts that understand who we are in Jesus, who Jesus is in us, and we will be changed today forever in Jesus' name. Amen. Several weeks ago, we began a series on Legacy Television called In Passionate Pursuit of God, and it's gone longer than I thought it would, and I think today we're going to wrap it up, and of course, there's so much more that could be said. I just don't know it, but there is more in here. So that's for you to get before the Lord and let him talk to you about it. But we've been in Psalm 63 for weeks now, looking at what David said. And we use this Psalm as a picture of what it looks like to passionately seek God, to passionately pursue him, his plan, his purpose, his presence for your life. And I wanna look at it again today as we wrap this series up. Look, notice what David said in verse one. God you are my God. And we started several weeks ago, just looking at that statement right there. You know, it's one thing to say there is a God. It's another thing entirely to say he's your God. It's another thing altogether to claim him as your own. But when you claim him, he claims you. And I, I've got two little kids. Sarah and I have two little ones and we've told you about them before. And I have to be honest, there are times in life as a parent of two little ones, you are tempted to not claim them. I don't know whose kids those are. Or, or maybe husbands look at wives and say, that's your son or that's your daughter. But there's a temptation because of how they're acting to not claim them. And of course, you never would actually do that. But I'm gonna tell you something. God will never not claim you. And I think we talked about that on this, in this series in one of the broadcasts uh, earlier in the series. But I wanna say it again. God will never not claim you you claim him and you are his. No matter what kind of fool you're acting like, <laughs> he claims you still and will help you out of your foolishness and help you and I walk in the way that he's called us to walk in. God, you're my God. What a simple statement, but how much power there is in it. Because what you're saying is, I don't have any other gods, including myself. I'm not gonna be my own God. You're my God. In other words, you're my source. You're my supply, you're my strength, you're my healing, you're my everything. All right there in that statement, you're my God. And he said this, early I will seek you. And really we haven't been able to get much past that as we looked at this Psalm. Early I will seek you, early, earnestly, fervently, passionately, seriously, done playing games with God, seeking him with our whole heart. He said, my soul, my, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. You know, David wrote this while in a literal physical desert wilderness. 
And out there in the wilderness, there's not a lot of food. There's not a lot of water to drink. And even in, even in a state where he lacked natural food and natural water, even as hungry or as thirsty as he could have been, that natural hunger and thirst didn't even compare to his hunger and his thirst for the presence of God. That's why he said, I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness, he said, is better than life, my lips will praise you. That's interesting. You know, you can find out what is most important to somebody just by listening to them talk. You can find out what somebody loves the most just by being around them for a little while. And you just hear what they're talking about. What comes up most often? For a lot of people, you know, it's their kids. There's always something about their kids. I feel like that's us sometimes. We're always talking about our kids. Or for us, you talk about the ministry or you talk about your job or you talk about whatever, whatever, whatever. See, you talk about the most what you love the most. And David said, because your loving kindness is better than life. And of course, that would include anything in life. He said, that's why my lips will praise you. David found out that in this life, there is nothing better than the loving kindness of God. And if you are in passionate pursuit of God, you're going to hear that's what's coming out of your mouth all the time. You're going to hear yourself talking more and more and more about the goodness of God, about the faithfulness of God. And this is a way that we can hold this up and, and use it to assess our own lives and our own walk with the Lord and say, okay, what's coming out of my mouth? Because if I'm seeking God with my whole heart, then that's going to be coming out of my mouth all the time. And that no matter who I'm in conversation with or what we're talking about, for me, it's always going to come back around to the goodness of God, the loving kindness of God. That's how you know what's in your heart. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth's going to speak. Whatever's going on in you is going to show up and come out. That's what David said, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will bless you while I live, he said. I'm not going to wait till later. I'm not going to wait till another lifetime here and now in this one. While there's breath in these lungs, while there's life in this body, I'm going to spend my time blessing you. I'm going to spend my time blessing you. And I think it was my wife, Sarah, who said it like this. If you'll spend your time blessing, there'll be no time for cursing. There'll be no time for the curse to come out of your mouth. There'll be no time for, for unbelief to come out of your mouth. There'll be no time for worry and fear and doubt to come out of you. But if you spend your time blessing the Lord, giving him praise and thanks for every good thing he is and every good thing he's done for you. Can you see this as somebody in passionate pursuit of God? Thus, I will bless you while I live. I'll lift up my hands in your name. You know, this right here, just this simple act of raising your hands. This is a, this is a physical demonstration that means surrender. Put your hands up. What does that mean? That means I'm not going to fight. I, I, I surrender. And this right here, this sign of worship, this belongs and should belong only to God. 
We don't lift our hands in worship to anyone or anything else. We lift our hands in worship to him. It's something that should belong only to him. I will lift up my hands in your name. Now, I like this in verse five because this has a lot to do with what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. He said, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My soul shall be satisfied. Now take that one statement alone. My soul shall be satisfied. There are very few people on planet earth who can say that their soul is satisfied. So many people, regardless of how much stuff, how much money, how much they have, how much they don't have, there are very few that could look at you and honestly say they are satisfied in their souls. For so many people, especially people who are not born again, there is no way to be satisfied in your soul. Soul satisfaction comes only from knowing God. But sadly, too many people that who do know God or, or at least are somewhat acquainted with him, have been born again, they're, start, they're still not living with that soul satisfaction. That kind of thing only comes out of this passionate pursuit of God. There comes out of that a satisfaction in your soul that no matter what you have materially or don't have materially, wherever you are in that right now, you have found such peace and such rest and such satisfaction in God just by seeking him. But it doesn't stop there. He says, my soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness. Fatness, just say it, fatness. Be satisfied as with fatness. What is fatness? Well, think about it. If there's too much, <laughs> too much on you, on the physical body, and you've grown beyond where you used to be or beyond where you want to be, there's fat there. What is that? It's too much. It's excess. And I know we think of that in kind of a negative term, but I want you to flip that and think about it in a positive light. What is fatness? It's too much. It's, it's excess. And we have been talking for the last several weeks now about this connection between us seeking God and him adding to our lives. And Jesus said it best when he said, seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added to you. Seek the kingdom and God will add to you what you need, what you desire. Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe two things. You gotta believe he is, and you gotta believe he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. A rewarder, look it up. It just simply means somebody who pays a wage. God is saying, listen, there, it, it pays to seek me, he's saying. It literally pays to seek him. And he will pay you as though it was a job. But here's the thing. Here's the, here's the switch that you got to flip in your relationship with God. Seeking him has got to go from being a job to being a joy. See, people who are seeking God out of some sort of ritualistic religious habit or tradition, that's just a job. And 
there are just like people working in any job out there, there are those who just go to work and there's no passion in it. They just do it because it's what they do. And they clock in, they get the job done, they clock out, they go home and they do this every single day. And, and a lot of people are content with that. But then there are others, and I thank God that I get to be one of them, who absolutely love what they do, who find so much joy in it. And it's like it quits being a job and it starts being a joy. Well, your walk with the Lord, your time in his word has got to quit being a job and it's got to start being a joy. It's got to stop being a J-O-B and become a J-O-Y. Let's go from job to joy in our walk with the Lord. And he is a rewarder, not like somebody paying somebody who's just clocking in and out. No, he's paying somebody who's found joy in walking with him, who takes such delight in him, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It pays to seek him. He said, my soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness. My mouth will praise you with joyful lips. He said in verse six, when I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. So this Psalm started with David seeking God early. That's early in the day. That's before the sun's up. That's before the kids are up. That's before the day gets going. But here, now we have just a few verses later, he's laying on his bed in the middle of the night. And he says, I'm meditating on you. I'm just laying there thinking about you, thinking about how good you've been, thinking about how good you are, thinking about every way you've rescued me, every way you've provided for me. He said, when I meditate on you <clears throat> in the night watches. Now this could mean one of two things. Either David laid in bed awake all night, just couldn't sleep. I don't know about you. Have you ever been so in love that you couldn't sleep? I, I, I use this example several times throughout this series, but when Sarah and I met each other and fell in love, we, we met each other and... I was around her for like three days when we met. She lived in Branson, Missouri. I lived in Fort Worth and I had to leave and come home. And I didn't see her again for weeks, I think. But you know what? As soon as I got home, we got on the phone and we talked to each other nonstop. And there are times throughout our engagement, three months of dating, three months of engagement. After Six months after we met, we were married. <clears throat> but we never lived in the same state throughout that whole time. We never even lived in the same state until we came home from our honeymoon. So throughout that time, it was like long distance love. And there were those times where we weren't with each other. And so all we had was the phone. All we had were our words. And we literally would stay up with each other all night on the phone. I remember one time looking at the clock and it was six o'clock in the morning and we had talked all night long. Love will make you do some crazy stuff. <laughs> Love will make you do some things that you wouldn't do otherwise. And I think we have a picture of that right here. Have we, have we thought that it was even possible to have that kind of love and passion between us and the Father? That where we would just lay awake all night talking to Him, Him talking to us, 
That, that's one possible meaning. The, the night watches, that could be a reference to in that particular time and in that region, they would have people that it was their job to get up and go stand at the city gates or on the city walls and just watch. They had a certain time of night. Maybe it was your time from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. or something like that. And if you were asleep, you had to get up and you had to go watch. So either David laid awake all night or maybe he woke up during one of those watches, but the whole time he's out there, he's just got God on the brain, God on the heart. And he's just seeking him, seeking him, seeking him. I meditate on you in the night watches. Why? Because you've been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you. I think it's the King James that says, my soul follows hard after you. My soul is right behind you, Lord. Wherever you go, that's where I'm going. And I am not going to be far behind you. I am going to be right there, just following your lead at, at every step, at every turn, following you. Is this not a picture of a person in passionate pursuit of God? Now hold this up and compare it to your own life and how you're spending your time. And if, it, if it's correcting to you, let it be correcting. Maybe you're looking at it and saying, yeah, David, I'm there too, man. I know what it's like to seek God like that. And there's a hunger and a thirst coming out of you. If you are hungry and you are thirsty, that's great news because Jesus said, you will be filled. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're blessed because you will be filled. My soul follows close behind you. Your right hand upholds me. Man, what a picture of somebody in passionate pursuit of God. I'm telling you this kind of relationship is available to you. God does not have to be some idea that you heard about one time that exists off out in outer space. No, he can be as close as your next breath. How, how intimate he longs to be with you. And that's available to you. And for weeks, we've been talking about like we said, this connection between seeking God and our prosperity, our provision. And we were over there in the Old Testament looking in Second uh, Chronicles. And I want to finish there today as well. We looked at several kings, one right after the other, who experienced God's prosperity. But every time the root of it was them seeking God. Kings, that it said about them that as long as they sought the Lord, he made them to prosper. Well, if he did that for them, he'll do that for you. That same promise applies to you. As long as you seek the Lord, he will make you to prosper. You don't have to seek the things the Gentiles seek, Jesus said. Seek the kingdom, he'll add it to you. As long as you seek the Lord, he will make you to prosper. We read about King Asa who was outnumbered 300,000 to a million, but yet he won the battle and walked away with so much treasure because God was on his side. Why was God on his side? Because he sought the Lord. We talked about King Jehoshaphat, who again went out, 
was way outnumbered, but he, he declared a fast and he set himself to seek the Lord. He prepared his heart to seek the Lord. And not only did God win the battle for them, but the nation of Judah walked away with so many valuables that it took three days to carry it all away. That's excess. That's too much. That's God. That's how Jesus is. I came that you'd have life, he said, and have it more abundantly. Too much life, excessive life. We looked at King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles 26 that says, as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. I want you to look in the last moment that we have in 2 Chronicles chapter 31 at King Hezekiah. It's a great example of what we're talking about. In King Hezekiah, in 2 Chronicles 31, verse 20, says, Thus Hezekiah did throughout all Judah. He did what was good and right and true before the Lord his God. And in every work that he began in the service of the house of God, in the law and in the commandment to seek his God, he did it with all his heart. So he prospered. He did it with all his heart. So he prospered. That's the result of seeking God with all your heart. Every time, that's what it produces. You go back in your life just like I go back in, my, in mine and in Sarah's and our ministry, and I can pinpoint those times where we sought the Lord. What does that mean? Time in prayer, time in the word, time fasting, time listening to the word being preached to us, time getting in anointed services, seeking him with our whole heart and the wisdom that came out of it, we acted on it and we prospered. We acted on it and we prospered over and over and over again. What he did for them, what he's done for us, he'll do for you. And as long as you seek the Lord, he will make you to prosper. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.